Welcome to I'll Be Dashed, a Woodhouse podcast. I'm Robin. And I'm Scott. We are a father-daughter duo who talk about the works of P.G. Woodhouse, with dad being the quote-unquote expert reader, uh, as he has... Why are we quoting-unquoting me? (laughs) Because you're not actually an expert. You've just read a lot. We could just go with um, the experienced Woodhouse reader rather okay. than like he thinks he's an expert. But let me that, tell you, that wasn't, that wasn't my intention with that. But okay, he's a clueless jerk. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna leave that part in. Oh. <laughs> with Dad serving as the experienced reader, and my no one can see you smiling. You can. <laughs> You're fun, Daddy. I, thanks, Dad. <laughs> and myself being the, uh, I guess, inexperienced reader of Woodhouse. <laughs> the novice. Quote the unquote. novice reader of Woodhouse. <laughs> Anywho. Your turn. All right. <laughs> uh, the inimitable Jeeves. Did I say it right? <laughs> I don't think you said it right. <laughs> The inimitable. That no, that that one was good. Okay, I've been saying it correctly like the entire time, but as soon as we start recording, I'm like, no, like half the time I get it correct, and the other half I'm like, inimitable. The inimitable <laughs> Jeeves was published in 1923. Some people consider it the first Jeeves novel, although it's actually isn't. It's 11 short stories that kind of have a cohesive frame tying into each other. 11 short stories broken up into 18 chapters. The stories were initially published in the Strand Magazine between December 1921 and November 1922, except for Jeeves and the Chump Cyril, which was published in 1918. A little trivia fact that I don't believe I've mentioned before that I should bring up. Jeeves was named after a famous cricketer Percy Jeeves, who uh, died in the Battle of the the Somme in July 1916, less than a year after the character named after him first appeared. So I don't really have a lot more about the book itself. Do you want to go and start in it? Because we do have 18 chapters. We do have 18 chapters. And I feel like all the thoughts that I have about the book overall will appear throughout the chapters. Okay. I, I, I think I know where some of this is going. I think you do too. <laughs> so we will start with chapter one. Jeeves exerts the old cerebellum. Jeeves, after pointing out that there was some slight friction in the Balkans in answer to Bertie's news request, which is about as close as we're ever going to get to Woodhouse talking about the events of the day. Mm-hmm. He says that Bingo Little has tried to see Birdie. Also, to stop it, because I know you're going to say something about it, or I'll be very surprised if you don't. A wangi is a cane generally made of bamboo and derives from the Mandarin Huang Li. You didn't I actually, I didn't actually have it like underlined or anything. I'm just like, I'm like, where's that? Well, it's in this chapter. Yeah, I'm sure it isn't. At least if I if I underlined it, it's not obvious. Wow. 
So the one time I actually pointed out, you're like, oh, I didn't even know that thing yeah. that would make dirty. Yeah, the, the one time you're like expecting me, my perversionness to shine through, and I'm like, meh. All right. So Bertie runs into Bingo in the street, and Bingo is wearing a ghastly tie that he was given. Bingo asks if Bertie likes the name Mabel, and who who likes the name Mabel? Sorry to the Mabels out there. Do you think there are a lot of Mabels? No, I do not. Okay. Well, Mike, so, I feel like that name is definitely lost in popularity. I fairly safe that of the Mabels that are out there, they're probably not listening to us. I think that's probably... Or most of our audience might be named Mabel. And we've just alienated we've all. Just, yeah. If we haven't already alienated our audience by not knowing how to pronounce French and not liking cricket, that took care of it. I, I like cricket. I just don't understand it or actually watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes liking it easy. <laughs> Birdie says no, he does not like the name Mabel. Uh, Bingo says Birdie was always a fat-headed worm without soul, which is pretty much setting the stage of what the Bingo Birdie friendship is like right there. It does indeed. And Birdie just replies, just as you say, because Birdie's just too nice. He asked uh Bingo about the girl and Bingo explains and they go to lunch to meet her. It turns out lunch is at a little tea and bun shop that <laughs> Birdie does not care for. Birdie's a little bit of a snob. He, he is. And Mabel <laughs> is actually the waitress. Shock. Bingo says he wants Birdie's advice. Well, not his advice since he thinks Birdie is an ass, which is yeah. how you usually butter people up when asking for the help. Yes. But he wants Jeeves' advice about breaking the news to his uncle who holds his purse strings because that's how this works in Woodhouse world. <laughs> yeah, because it's the 1920s. <laughs> yeah. Jeeves suggests having Bingo read to his uncle who is suffering a bout of gout. He suggests books about marriage in different classes, and the author, Rosie M. Banks, is just the author for that. And Jeeves' aunt happens to have several copies. We also learn in this chapter that Jeeves has an understanding mm -hmm. of the romantic nature with the elder Little's cook, which I, I got to be honest, is a bit surprising. And it's not really something that we see in future Jeeves mm -hmm. books. Okay. So that is this chapter. What are your thoughts? So let's go in order. Um, <laughs> let's start at the beginning of the chapter. That, that's a good place to start. Yeah. So, and you're not going to like this. I'm not? No. Because while I apparently missed the, the Wang Lee thing. Oh, uh, you picked. You I, All right. I did have. It's not so much that I found something. It's more of just like. I happen to be reading. A particular type of book at the same time and that colored my perspective so my note is on the second page you know it, it, there's there's nothing in those pages that you necessarily need to look at but it's just birdie and jeeves interacting mm -hmm. and <laughs> they're talking about you know these like shirts 
things that Bertie calls them shirtings, which makes me giggle a little. But I, I underlined, but I bowed to superior knowledge in that Jeeves knows more in this area. And so my note, <laughs> just outing myself here. So my note was that maybe just because I was reading a master-slave dynamic fanfic, but this reminds me of master-slave dynamic. <laughs> I mean, Jeeves absolutely controls Bernie's life. Well, that's, yes, that's true. And that's true pretty much with most valets and butlers in Woodhouse. Huh? You said valet, not valet. Oh, valet. <laughs> well, yes. So I'm not, I'm not denying that. That's why I said it's probably just because I happen to be reading a story with that dynamic that I'm seeing it through this lens. But you're going to have to control what you're reading around the time you're reading these books so it doesn't color it too much i guess the other part was i underlined it is a juicy morning now you're just my god you're a 12 year old boy a 12 year old boy would not have this sophisticated level of sophisticated of immaturity <laughs> It's a juicy morning. <laughs> I know more a fourteen year old boy. I know more than a fourteen year old boy. Who doesn't? Well, that's fair. There's just a piece of like Woodhouse's writing that I I really connected with about Bertie's like calm it's not perverted. Calm down. <laughs> I didn't say so, dad dad is shooting me such a wary look now. I, I <laughs> figure that's just my normal Robin look. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it takes a little bit more to get there, though. Um, but what else is writing about, like, a particular type of, like, spring morning that feels, like, very lovely and, like, romantic. And I, I just liked that little, that little bit. Oh, so now we're at Bingo. One of, one of the first things that Bingo says to Bertie is, quote, of course you wouldn't. You were always a fat-headed worm without any soul, weren't you? End quote. And you're right, that does set the tone for their friendship. And I just wrote, wow, rude. Well, I mean, I believe I, I've said it in previous our previous uh, Jeeves podcast. Mm -hmm. You're just going to have to get used to Birdie's friends being the worst. Yeah, I don't think I can get used to that. <laughs> well, this is going to be a fun trip for you then. <laughs> um, my only other note for this chapter was when Jeeves was explaining that like he has an understanding and I just heard aw because <laughs> I think I actually think it's cute well, that okay. Jeeves has an understanding I think it's less cute next chapter when I yeah, know what I was happens about to say, <laughs> let's get to the next chapter then <laughs> okay chapter 2 no wedding bells from bingo which we don't even have to read the chapter now we already know what happens <laughs> Bingo reports that reading the Rosie and Banks book seems to be working exceedingly well as his uncle really enjoys them. He he tells Bertie that his uncle wants to lunch with Bertie, which surprised Bertie. And, <laughs> and Bertie doesn't want to do it. And, and then Bingo says he saved Bertie's life once, 
Although actually he had. He must have got him mixed up with someone else. But because Birdie is not going to let any friend down, even though he should repeatedly, he agrees to do it. This this is a hard book for someone who likes Birdie. It is. It really <laughs> like for someone who really likes Birdie and maybe relates to him a lot of the time. It's really hard to read. <laughs> Which you know, I'm reading the chap chapter synopses from paper. You'll see some of my frustration seep into what I, I am reading. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> At lunch, after he meets the uncle, Bertie is told he has a call, and it's Bingo telling him that he had told his uncle that Bertie was actually Rosie M. Banks, writing as a pseudonym. The uncle gushes over uh, Bertie and says that he has gotten him to rethink his views on class differences. Bertie uses this to say Bingo wants to marry a waitress, and the uncle says, that sounds like an excellent idea. Then Bertie mentions increasing Bingo's allowance, and Urkel says, "The Urkel, 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 Urkel." <laughs> the <laughs> uncle says, "No can do, because he has asked the cook to be his wife, and she accepted, and now he needs the money." So Bertie lets Jeeves know that his fiance is now engaged to someone else, but Jeeves has anticipated that and actually look forward to it as he has found someone else, and it's the same Mabel that Bingo was in love with, which I I, I have issues with a lot of this, but I'll let you go ahead and have your say first. No, what's your issues? Well, one, I don't think that the Mabel that we saw would be anybody that Jeeves would be attracted sure. to. Sure. Perhaps she has hidden depths, but we certainly did not see them. Yeah. Oh, I just don't see Jeeves as a romantic partner. Okay, I think that's fair. Well, and I just say, like, plus we don't see Mabel again. Like, we don't hear about Mabel again. <laughs> well, no, because that's also had to do with uh, Bingo's history. Yeah. So my notes, uh, I was hoping you could illuminate something for me. Okay, we'll see if I can. There was a word that I'm sure has a different context than what I think. It's not perverted! Okay. It's the catchphrase for today's episode, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not perverted! <laughs> it's not perverted! So, okay. Who's, who's saying this? Birdie, I think. It's, he's thinking it. Bingo said he had got an idea which he thought was going to clinch the thing. He wouldn't tell me what it was, but he said it was a Pippin like a good one. Oh, okay yeah i don't okay. know exactly where or originated from but it does yeah i mean it's a good idea oh okay i'm i see pippin and i think hobbit well yes i understand that but a pippin would just be the same thing as like saying it's a corker i thought you a corker was a, a bad thing i thought corker was a bad thing no oh all right. I just Anywho. destroyed your entire life understanding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's it's fine. Not like I use the word corker that much anyway. I mean, yeah. Although we could bring it back. I mean, we could. 
I, I don't, I don't see it being something that's gonna be in my vocabulary a lot. <laughs> when I when I start you saying quarter next week. <laughs> I I also highlighted when <laughs> Bertie had a thought about how Bingo was acting almost sinister. <laughs> I was like, oh really? So you noticed that, did you? Well, I I think it's very telling that there's something that his friend does that Bertie actually acknowledges might be sinister. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote good job, Bertie, but I don't remember why I wrote it there. I don't know. I think Bertie was like pointing out how it wouldn't be logical for him to meet with the uncle, but I don't remember. Well, I, I think in, in this book also Bertie has flashes of perhaps not brilliance, but mm -hmm. definitely intelligent thinking. He's able to recognize when something is not going to work in his favor. I also wrote "ugh" next to Bert, uh, Bingo talking. <laughs> Woodhouse actually put a mention of time. He mentioned, except once in the winter of 1917, when appearance oh. might have condemned a certain mayonnaise of hers as lacking in creaminess. So it doesn't reference outside events, but it does mention yeah. a year, which I hadn't seen before. Yeah, I just think uh, as he went on time became less important yeah. but pretty much all of Jeeves and Worcester is set around the 1910s 1920s mm -hmm. so as he got further away from it he yeah he didn't really mention it as much yeah that was it for that chapter all right chapter three Aunt Agatha speaks her mind. Mm -hmm. In this chapter, we get our first glimpse of Aunt Agatha. She was in extricating Gussie, which doesn't necessarily count as a Jeeves and Worcester novel because Jeeves wasn't a big part of that. But it is Robin's first time encountering Aunt Agatha. Yeah. So I'll be interested in the thoughts at the end of this. Everything is going swimmingly for Bertie, which of course means he gets a letter from his Aunt Agatha telling him to go to Roville-sur-Mer, which I may have pronounced correctly or not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. As with most correspondents with his aunts, they don't do the very simple task of explaining why they want him to go somewhere. Just say, I need you to come here, and this is why. Mm-hmm. It's not difficult. I don't like Aunt Agatha. <laughs> he and Jeeves go there and find Agatha has been running all the hotel staff through the ringer. She wants Bertie to meet with uh, Miss Hemingway and her brother. And it turns out that Agatha believes Miss Hemingway is exactly, is exactly who Bertie should marry. Bertie meets her and her brother, Sydney, and Bertie thinks she's just the type of girl who would play a piano in a village church. After leaving them, Bertie decides to make himself better by wearing a silk cummerbund, which you tie around your waist instead of your waistcoat. And of course, Jeeves is upset about this. Bertie takes the girl and her brother for a drive and dislikes it. He goes back looking for sympathy from Jeeves. But of course, Jeeves is throwing a silent 
validity fit <laughs> about the cummerbund is cold the birdie. Oh, I I really enjoy the parts where Woodhouse is like, you know, life things happen in it. Like he he does that like quite a bit in his works, and I I always end up highlighting them because I'm like, yeah, life. <laughs> It um, does happen. <laughs> it does happen. Things happen. So I, I highlighted, but have you ever noticed a rummy thing about life? I mean, the way something always comes along to, to give it to you in the neck at the very moment when you're feeling most braced about things in general. Yes. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you, yes, Woodhouse, for putting words to that. And then my only other note is when it's after the whole waistcoat thing. And Jeeves is like, very good, sir, but coldly. And I just made a note that Bernie will never learn. And indeed he doesn't. There are at least five other instances of clothing-related oh, arguments. This, this is one of the big clothing-related ones. And, and it continues for a couple more books, at least, to the point where I'm just like, I don't want to hear about Jeeves' opinions on clothing anymore. But it does it does get better, and, yeah. and I guess I lean a little bit more the other way rather than Birdie will not learn. It's more like Jeeves needs to get that stick out of his ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Jeeves' defense, all the clothes that Birdie is like so attached to, they do sound like so garish. That I, I can't blame Jeeves for being like, why would you go outside looking like that? Let us remember, Robin said, in Jeeves' defense, because I believe in another chapter or two, I will come back to that. Okay. Do you have That's any fine. other notes no, on that? that was it for that chapter. <laughs> I did notice, this is just a, a sidebar, I did notice that I have less notes if I read it on my Kindle, as opposed to if I read it in physical book. Mm. But, oh. Because I read the first two chapters in the book, uh -huh. but then I didn't bring the book with me when I went to Amy's, and so I switched to Kindle. Oh, okay. And I read the rest of the thing on Kindle, and so I did notice that I take less notes. Fewer. Oh, uh, I got an eye roll. Chapter four. You got a prolonged eye roll. <laughs> well, I wasn't looking up at you the entire time. Chapter four, Pearls Mean Tears. Bertie has taken the hiding in his room since Hemingway and her brother Sydney have taken such a liking to him. There's a knock at the door and it's them. The brother tells how he succumbed to gambling at the casino and lost. He ran into a parishioner and I don't think I mentioned it. He's like a, a vicar or a parson or something. Uh, so he ran into a parishioner, Colonel Musgrave, who cashed a check Sydney wrote, and then Sydney immediately lost the money in the casino, and he has no money in the bank to cash a check. They ask if they can borrow money from Bertie with pearls as collateral. Now, to be fair, Bertie realizes he's being touched here, but Bertie doesn't mind much. They pretty much have just asked for money without collateral, and he probably would have done it. Probably. So they write a receipt for it and give him pearls in a box, and Jeeves helps Sydney on with his coat as they leave. 
Jeeves mentions that places like this often have thieves and that he believes the two of them were. In fact, he recognized Sydney as Soapy Sid. Love the nicknames. <laughs> they would come back later to Birdie with the receipt when he was unable to provide the pearls because they had actually stolen them back from him already. They would hit him harder for more cash. However, while he was helping the man on with his coat, Jeeves removed the pearls. It turns out that the pearls actually belonged to Aunt Agatha, who they had stolen them from. Bertie goes to her where she is yelling at the manager and accusing the chambermaid of stealing the pearls. Bertie lets her go on a while and then tells her the truth about the pearls and Miss Hemingway and chastises her for the way that she has treated the manager and the chambermaid, which is a bit surprising that Bertie would do that, and I very much appreciate it. <laughs> Agatha gives the money, and Bertie goes back to Jeeves, giving him 20 quid and giving up the cummerbund. Of course, if only Jeeves had done something to gain Bertie's gratitude immediately, he would never have had to throw a fit about it. I, I think Jeeves is a sadist, and he likes torturing Birdie, and I think further chapters will bear witness to that. <laughs> you know, Jeeves could have just, and of course, it doesn't work well for the story, but Jeeves could have just gotten Birdie out of this mess almost immediately, but he had to throw his little fit about the cummerbund and. Uh, <sighs> Justice for Birdie. <laughs> I am done. <laughs> no one can see it, but Dad's like acting like he's like, you know, making a, an argument in a courtroom. Was I? I was yes. <laughs> Anywho. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so my notes on this chapter where I, I did make a note about I said, Bertie, listen to him when Jeeves is talking about how uh, these fashionable French watering places are notoriously infested by dishonest characters. <laughs> I was like, yeah, listen, listen. And then the other one, which is directly counter to the point that you're making, <laughs> is that I said, see, Jeeves doesn't always let fashion crimes get in the way of helping. But he still helped. I'm you know, eventually. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did watch him drowning for a few minutes, but he did eventually rescue him, so it's okay. It's not what I said. <laughs> I interpreted. <laughs> Jeeves is still helpful, even though he has strong opinions about clothing. He has psychotic opinions. <laughs> no, he doesn't have psychotic opinions about clothing. He has psychotic responses. <laughs> they're they're, they're not psychotic. That's not the right word. They're maybe severe. Sociopathic? No. That's I, not I, the right word. I think so. I I I do feel like suggesting that Jeeves has 
sadist tendencies is not inaccurate. I think Jeeves is passive aggressive. I don't think he's a sadist. I feel like that's a little extreme. Well, we're we're going to get into this later because I know future chapters will bear more discussion about it. So I, I will... <laughs> I'm like, are you say bear witness again? <laughs> Chapter five: The pride of the Woosters is wounded. Jeeves is set to go on his annual vacation. He's giving his understudy a bit of advice, which includes. You will find Mr. Wooster an exceedingly pleasant and amiable young gentleman, but not intelligent, by no means intelligent. Mentally, he is negligible, quite negligible. Jeeves did not need to do that. I wrote a note before he went maybe a little too into it when he just said <laughs> an exceedingly pleasant and amiable young man, but not intelligent. I made a note at that point where I just said, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> that that part is accurate. Then he, he dug it in a little bit too much. <laughs> I'm glad that I know how all the Jeeves and Worcester books end up. Because if they continued on the same trend as they were saying going, I could see the two of us being quite at odds. Because we seem to be a little bit on opposite ends of this thing. Look, I like Birdie. Like, I don't want you to think that I don't. And I don't dislike Jeeves. I just, I I find him much more enjoyable in future books. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Of course, I don't know why, but this ticks Birdie off. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason. As he points out, Woosters don't forget. Well, birthdays and appointments and to mail letters, but not insults. He goes off to recover and runs into Bingo Little, who says he has been in the country where he has been tutoring a boy named Glossop. Bertie mentions that the only Glossop he knows is, and I know her name is Honoria, but my mind always pronounces it Honoria. Honoria? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And after having met her, I, I feel fine thinking of her as Honoria. I didn't even try to figure out another way it could be pronounced. I, to I'm, me, I, I read it Honoria every time. Oh, okay. I thought I was just being goofy. I'm pretty nope. sure it is pronounced Honoria. That's weird to me. Really? An Honoria? <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> no, I, I mean, I think Honoria is a stupid name. I mean, it sounds like a venereal disease. It does. But Honoria, I don't know, spell it differently. And then it'll make sense. Like, you can't just, you can't take an actual word, add Ia to the end of it, and then say it's pronounced completely differently. I mean, to be technical, it's no. not an actual word. Because they spell it with a U in Britain. <laughs> Beside the point. Oh, father. <laughs> so, Bingo goes all gaga. It seems unbelievable that anyone could have fallen in love with her because she's super brainy and overly athletic, according to Birdie. <laughs> Which, 
hey, in this household, we like brainy athletic girls. I mean, okay, but not. Yes, I do. <laughs> not Honoria. <laughs> not Honoria. <laughs> no, I don't like her. You know, unfortunately, or perhaps not, I guess, depending on your point of view, she does appear repeatedly hmm. in uh, the books. Mm-hmm. But not as often as another Glossop. The kid? No. Oh, uh, the Richard person? Roderick. Roderick, whatever. There's yeah. too many R's. After after listening to Bingo wax on about how I Honoria, I'll, I'll just go with it. Bertie goes to have lunch with Aunt Agatha. Which why? <laughs> Bertie had thought that the whole Hemingway affair would have brought Agatha down a bit, but she immediately starts in on the need for Bertie to get married. She has another girl in mind, and it turns out it that it's. Honoria. I'm like, what name are you saying? <laughs> I don't know. Now my mind is like, uh. <laughs> Agatha forces him to go the next day to see her. Birdie stole her by G's words. Tells him he's in a spot of trouble, but that he will take care of it himself. He goes to Didridge Hall, but Honoria is out and will be back the next day. He meets up with Bingo and the boy Oswald, who I believe is her brother. I think so. I blanked out on that. But uh, Bingo tells Bertie Oswald doesn't do much more than sit on the bridge. And Bertie wonders why <laughs> Bingo doesn't shove him in. I, I like the thought of doing this comes up before there's even any plot. To get I, I like that. Bernie just sees a kid near a body of water. He's like, he should be in that. <laughs> Which we, we might want to research Woodhouse life because if there's a kid near water, he it's wants to end somewhere. up in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bertie does come up with the idea of shoving Oswald into the water and then having Bingo rescue him. Uh, another common Woodhouse plot. Somewhere about there with kidnapping a kid brother or a cousin or what have you. You have any thoughts? So I put a crying laughing face when I thought Bertie was being really funny. He's talking about Honoria or whatever her name is. I don't know. Bingo was saying that like we walk together in the garden most evenings and it sometimes seems to me there is a look in her eyes. And Bernie says, I know that look, like a sergeant ma sergeant major. And I was just like, Bernie. <laughs> it just made me, it tickled me. I also, when Bernie's like, clearly, because of this whole thing with the pearls, Aunt Agatha will, like, wait a while before getting on me about getting married. That is one of the areas where it's kind of like, come on, Bernie. Oh, I made a note, and I literally, I, this is what I, what I typed, I wrote, oh, honey, dot gif. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, because I, I read that, I'm like, oh, honey. I don't think Birdie is dumb, but Birdie is definitely naive. Birdie is someone who will walk into the rake repeatedly. Somewhat fair. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, tell me I'm wrong. He does it many times in this book. 
I also made a comment about how Aunt Agatha was rude because <laughs> she said, while there is naturally much in you of which she dislikes, Honoria, she does not dislike you. And I was like, rude. Why are so many people being rude to my boy Birdie? Oh, Agatha is... She sucks. <laughs> I mean, that, that that's just... A, I'm glad that she doesn't appear often in the novels, but she appears a lot in the short stories. Yeah. The other part, when Birdie's like, why don't you shove him in? And Bingo is understandably like, shove him in? Birdie says, it seems to me distinctly the thing to do, I said, regarding the striplings back with a good deal of dislike. And I just made a note, and I just put the crying laughing face again. I'm like, Birdie, stop pushing children into water. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, and then when he comes up with the idea of, of pushing the kid in the water so that Bingo can save him, I made a note saying, oh, we're drowning a kid in the name of romance again. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. He this is only... This only have like, him rescued. <laughs> this oh. is only, like, what, the second time I've seen this? Or third? The whole, like, saving a drowning kid... Oh, oh it, it won't be the last. No, I know it happens more, but like this is, I think, only like the second or third time I've seen it. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, okay, we're <laughs> yay romance. <laughs> yeah. That's Listen, I I will often defend Birdie, but no, Birdie does not come up with the best romance plans. Well, Birdie doesn't seem to like children. <laughs> I think Woodhouse doesn't seem to like children, and that just. <laughs> I think that's fair, but Birdie is the one that I've seen so far. Yeah. Like the most consistently not liking children. <laughs> All right. Chapter six The Hero's Reward. Birdie thinks nothing can go wrong with his plan. Let, let's see. He asked, and I've, I've gotten so confused by her name now that I kind of mashed them together instead of saying Honoria or Honoria, I'm like, Honoria? <laughs> it, <laughs> Honoria? <laughs> it does sound like Honoria. <laughs> he asks her to go on a stroll with him. He sees Oswald is at the bridge and assumes that Bingo is waiting. Bertie tells her that a friend of his is in love with her, but doesn't have the nerve to say so, which... Nobody should ever say this in books because they're always going to mistake who's actually the person. Well, I made a note at that exact part where he's like, there's somebody who's in love with you and so forth, a friend of mine you know, and Honoria or whatever says like, oh, a friend of yours? And I made a note of saying, Bertie, this is why Jeeves says you're a dummy. <laughs> that, that is rude. What? It's accurate. There are many levels of intelligence. He put a rake in, in front of himself. I almost said inside of himself. <laughs> <sighs> she laughs. <laughs> Sorry. What the hell was that? I was laughing and then I had to cough. Okay. She laughs and her laughter annoys Oswald. 
she thinks it isn't safe for him on the bridge. And Bertie says, he'll go and tell him. <laughs> Bertie leans in and gives the boy a shove and he goes into the water. Bertie yells for help, but Bingo doesn't show. Seeing no help and being concerned that the kid might drown, see? After he pushed the kid in the water. Stop living in the past. Birdie takes off his coat and goes in. However, the boy swims away and gets himself out, and Birdie emerges all wet. Honoria says he is funny proposing like that and then pushing Oswald in to rescue him to impress her. He says he needs someone to take care of him and agrees to the proposal, despite him trying to say that's not what he meant. Birdie runs into Bingo, who tells him that while he was getting ready to do the thing, he saw another girl, and he simply fell in love right away and forgot all about Honoria. Because Bingo's a German. Yep. I put I use the crying laughing emoji a lot in this. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, it is, it is a comedy, so you would certainly hope so. But... <laughs> I used angry Wait. face all throughout. <laughs> <laughs> but in the part where Bernie's like, oh, I'll go tell him that it isn't safe and he could fall in. <laughs> I just put a crying laughing face because I was picturing him like, I know this didn't happen, but I was picturing him going over to Oswald be like, hey, it's not safe for you to sit here and then pushing him in. <laughs> I was just demonstrating that it's not safe for you to be I, here. I wanted Oswald to really learn the lesson. <laughs> Maybe the kid is a visual learner. Experiential learner. <laughs> uh, my only other note was that I, I highlighted when... I don't even remember when this was happening. Hold on. So when Bernie was like... He had shoved Oswald in the water and Bingo hadn't come. <laughs> Bernie has this thought process of like... The kid is presumably being cut off in his prime... And it, <laughs> what I had seen of the lad hadn't particularly endeared him to me, but it was undoubtedly a bit thick to let him pass away. And I'm like, I guess that's fair. Yeah. I, I guess, good job, Bernie, for being like, <laughs> I don't like this kid, but he shouldn't have to die, <laughs> despite the fact that I was the one who pushed him in. And that's why you're still here today. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter seven, introducing Claude and Eustace. So I'm assuming you don't like Claude and Eustace. No, they're the best. <laughs> anyway, Bertie has been engaged to Honoria for two weeks. I've decided just to go with Honoria now. <laughs> Wait, is this... Sorry, is this chapter seven? Yes. Oh, apparently I didn't make any notes on that. Oh, okay. Did you read the chapter? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, I just didn't think that it was enough to comment on. <laughs> All right. Honoria has forced him to read literature and has dragged him to art galleries. She tells him once they are married, he will need to get rid of Jeeves. She's a goner. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Agatha tells Bertie that there is a possible issue with the upcoming marriage. This gives Bertie hope. <laughs> <laughs> it seems Honoria's father, Roderick Glossop, is a nerve specialist, which makes him cautious about people. 
Bertie assumes the man might think Bertie's loony, which awesome <laughs> for Bertie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agatha says Roderick has heard a ridiculous story about Bertie pushing Oswald into the lake. Glossop has made it. What? I said preposterous. Preposterous. Glossop has made inquiries and has learned about Uncle Henry, who Bertie considered off his onion, having done things like keeping 11 rabbits in his room, which I mean, like, okay, that's. Unsanitary, but yeah, I don't know if it's off your onion. <laughs> <laughs> Agatha says if anybody would have inherited Henry's eccentricity, it would have been Claude and Eustace, and they're fine, upstanding young men. I am rolling my eyes, which you cannot see. Well, you can, but listeners can't. They are twins, and according to Agatha, doing well at Oxford and members of a club called the Seekers. She says Roderick wants to have a talk with Bertie. Back in London, Bertie runs into Eustace with a Lord Rainsby, who Eustace calls Dogface. Eustace tries to get lunch from Bertie, but Bertie has to meet Glossop, so he just borrows five pounds instead. Do you have any thoughts? You didn't have any notes, so not really. Like I, I don't know. I I didn't really like this chapter as evidenced by my lack of notes, I think. Yeah. I mean generally mm -hmm. I don't like Claude and Eustace. I don't think I like them either. I, yeah. I, I will say like it's not that I dislike them, I find them more just like annoying and immature. Yeah. But like I don't dislike like I they're not to like the Smith level of dislike. No, they're annoying and immature, and I dislike them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There are there are other chapters they're in that I I, I like. Mm -hmm. Them appearing in this one. Yeah, th this chapter and a lot of the like the first nine or ten chapters are rather short. Yeah. Which Robin discovered when she's like, well, I've read half the chapters. And it's like, yeah, you're like a third of the way through it now. <laughs> I know. That was literally what happened. I told dad, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I only have nine chapters left. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, they're longer, though. <laughs> and they are. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this, this chapter, this chapter is basically set up chapter and doesn't really have a lot going for it. Mm hmm. So we're going to go and move to the next chapter, which it, <laughs> even despite, well, no, actually, uh, Claude and Eustace don't really play much of a part in here. They do play much of a part, but they don't appear really in it. Sure. Yeah. So chapter eight, Sir Roderick comes to lunch. Sir Roderick apologizes for being late as a Lord Hungerford was displaying a return to concerning conditions. Office rocker, Bertie asked. <laughs> <laughs> Glossop asks if Bertie has a cat as he can hear one. Bertie says he does not. Sir Roderick talks on, but, Murdy, but Bertie's mind wanders and when he comes back, Sir Roderick is talking about someone snatching the hat off his head. Bertie says it must have been a practical joke. But Glossop doesn't see anything humorous about it. 
then Glossop insists that there is a cat close at hand. Bertie asks Jeeves if there are any cats in the apartment. Only the three in your bedroom, Jeeves says. <laughs> Bertie goes up to go to his bedroom, colliding with Sir Roderick, who had also stood up. They hear a row from the bedroom, and Jeeves suggests that the cats are excited because they have discovered the fish under the bed. Glossop insists on going, and Bertie means to go with him, and he gets his hat, which envelops his head. Bertie realizes it isn't his hat, and Glossop says it's his hat. Glossop takes its hat and asks Jeeves to accompany him. Bertie opens the bedroom door and he says roughly 115 cats run through the door. Lord Rainsby from the previous chapter comes in and asks if those were his cats. They were. He says, oh, well, he'll just take the hat and the fish. The fish, he says, were Eustace's doing while the hat was Claude's. Apparently to get into the Seekers, you have to steal something. And now... All that is left is the fish, which the cats have mostly devoured. He then asked Bertie for a tenor to get Claude and Eustace out of jail, where they are because they're trying to steal a motor lorry. Jeeves comes back and agrees that Glossop is likely to think that Bertie is loony. Aunt Agatha calls and Jeeves talks to her, and Bertie gets the impression that the marriage is off. Bertie realizes Jeeves worked the entire thing but it, then thinking about Aunt Agatha, he wonders what he should do, and Jeeves advises a trip. Which is how they ended up in New York last time, because mm -hmm. Aunt Agatha. Oh, I sort of just assumed it was like the same occurrence. No. It, uh, oh, okay. the, the one to New York was because, or in the previous book we read, was because mm -hmm. of extricating Gussie. Oh, okay. Okay. He actually went to New York, but he didn't do what Aunt Agatha wanted oh. him to stayed in New York. Oh, okay. Gotcha. In this chapter, I noted that there was the use of austere. I, I like that I I brought it up and you noted a lot more than I do. <laughs> yeah. And then I just I just highlighted when Jeeves recommends that Bertie just go to New York for a little bit. Cause I was like, why is this your, your solution? Like it's a very common solution apparently. Well, I, I happen to think mm -hmm. that Jeeves while being quite brilliant, perhaps just isn't as brilliant as we're led to believe. And he only has a limited <laughs> number of ideas. <laughs> And also, he probably just wanted to go to New York. He often arranges things to turn out the way that he wants them. Yeah. And not so much as Bertie wants them. <laughs> yeah. Which you don't have a problem with, and I... Uh, well, I mean, I, it makes sense, and it benefits Bertie, so... Chapter 9, A Letter of Introduction. Bertie thinks that half the world's problem is people dashing off letters of introduction, which I guess we've solved by no longer doing stuff like that, I guess. <laughs> A few weeks after arriving in America, 
a Cyril Bassington Bassington comes with a letter of introduction from Aunt Agatha. Uh, the man came early and Jeeves tells him to come back in about three hours, which Bertie finds nice considering he and Jeeves are currently estranged because Bertie decided to wear purple socks, which, okay, I can kind of see Jeeves' point of view on this one. Yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with his actions in response to the clothing, but I, I can kind of see, yeah, purple socks. I mean, unless you're Prince. Uh, yeah. Bertie reads a letter in which Agatha says she wants Bertie to look after Cyril in New York. Cyril is on his way to Washington, so won't be staying in New York long. G starts getting Bertie's clothes together, and Bertie tells him, not those socks, but the purple ones. Dun, dun, dun. Bertie waits a bit for Cyril, who doesn't show up, so Bertie goes to a club. Jeep shows up wanting to see him. He tells him that Cyril called, that he is in prison, and would like for Bertie to bail him out. Bertie bails a lot of people out. I was going to say, I'm like, this happens quite a bit to Bertie. Yeah. And, I mean, he has to get bailed out a few times, but mm -hmm. he's really bailing a lot of people out. Uh, Bertie brings his friend George, a playwright he had been lunching with, and they bail Cyril out. Cyril wonders why New York police don't wear helmets like they do in London. He says they look like mail carriers so that when one came up and prodded him, he thought it was a mail carrier doing so and gave the officer a shove. Okay. I'm like, even if it was a mail carrier, why would you shove them? Like, I, just be like, hey, man, I mean, why'd you prod me? Bertie receives a telegram from Agatha telling Bertie not to let Cyril be introduced to those in the theatrical circle. Seems like she could have mentioned this in a previous telegram. Or in the introductory letter. Yeah. Jeeves is unsympathetic and does not ask to know the contents of the telegram. Cyril comes over. Apparently he had a desire to be on stage, so came up with the excuse of going to Washington to do so. Now Bertie has introduced him to George. And he's going to rehearsals the next day. <laughs> Bertie tries to call George and get Cyril out of the play, but George doesn't budge. Bertie calls Jeeves in and asks him if he has a possible solution to prevent Cyril from getting on stage. <laughs> Jeeves, likely still fuming about the socks, does not. Do you have any notes, Robin? So my, my notes. George made a comment about he's like I didn't invent the country America is the country he was referring to and he said that was Columbus oh okay and, to be fair this was written in the like 1920s and information about Columbus was not uh, as available as it is now okay I hadn't even said what my note was, <laughs> and you're already defending it. Which note, Robin? I said, well, that's upsetting. <laughs> I didn't say it was wrong, but it's more of the, the language. You're like, yeah, Columbus was a horrible person, but it's more of the language of, like, Columbus invented the country. Like, no, he discovered it. 
if you want to label it that. He didn't really, but like in the 1920s, that's what they would have thought. Like, don't think he invented it. Okay, but also, I mean, he's one of Birdie's friends, so. <laughs> okay, I guess that's fair. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then I made a comment about how, like, along the same lines of, I think, the note that I had a couple chapters ago about, like, how Bertie should should learn from his conflicts with Jeeves about clothing. Like, I sort of made a similar comment of, like, you know this. You know that Jeeves is, is a snob when it comes to clothes. Like, you know this, and yet you continue to buy clothes that are upsetting. It's his small acts of rebellion. He could rebel in other ways. But he doesn't. These are the ways that... <laughs> he, he also could just like the clothes. I mean, they may be ugly or gauche or whatever, but he could just like them. I mean, obviously he does like them, but still like he you just want him to suppress who he is for somebody else no that's not what i'm saying <laughs> just saying he could learn from previous conflicts with i Jesus. gotta be me and then my other note which i think we can have fun with this i think it's at the very end of the chapter after bernie discovers what happened to his socks and he says, toodaloo, I said sadly. But that, and, that that's the next chapter. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. No, it's it's right in the middle of the whole Cyril and George stuff. Oh, it's not even about his socks. <laughs> well, that's why you said what happened to the socks. Yeah, no, I, I was, I lied. I was incorrect. Okay, so I was like, what happened to the socks is next chapter. <laughs> okay, yes, what happened to the socks is next chapter. I, okay. I Sorry, I just, I I only get to see what I highlighted and then the note. I don't have the surrounding context. Anyway, uh, Bertie is talking to Cyril about, you know, going on stage and, and this is after he's received the, the telegram and so Bertie is like, oh no, but he says toodaloo, sadly. And I made a note of, you can say that sadly? Yeah. How do you say toodaloo sadly? Toodaloo. In a way that doesn't sound absolutely pathetic. You didn't say without sounding <laughs> pathetic. You just said, could you say it sadly? I just, I just can't you imagine can, it. Like You can say anything sadly. I just can't imagine. Yeah. Toodaloo is such a joyous phrase like kittens playing sadly so that that was that so that was <laughs> toodaloo toodaloo <laughs> I also um, love that Bernie just says toodaloo like that makes me really happy so chapter 10 which wouldn't make any sense if what you had said before was true. <laughs> Startling dressiness of a lift attendant. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Cyril practices hard for his part, 
Jeeves is still remaining cold to Birdie because of the socks. I shouldn't have to say because of clothing. We could just assume. Birdie receives a letter from Agatha expressing Cyril's father's feelings about him being on stage as well as what she would say, think, and do to Birdie if this happens. Birdie decides, regardless of Jeeves' temper tantrum, he needs to go to Jeeves about this. When he does, he sees a man and a boy at the table. The boy doesn't appear to think much of Birdie. Jeeves says he ran into an old valet friend of his who was with the boy and invited them. Birdie shows him the letter and Jeeves doesn't really have any answer except for time. Cyril comes in and asks for advice on dressing for his part. Worcester says Jeeves is the one to ask and calls Jeeves in. And the boy comes in with him. He sees Cyril and calls him fish face. And that he wouldn't have Cyril's face if he is offered $2 million. Cyril chases after the kid for a bit. Cyril says the boy said Jeeves offered him a dollar if he said that about Cyril. But Bertie thinks that's illogical. That, that's Bertie being naive. Yeah, <laughs> I could definitely see Jeeves doing that, even if we didn't later find out that he did. <laughs> George asks if Bertie wants to see a run-through of the play. It starts at 8, so Bertie shows up at 10.15. He sees George on the stage with Blumenfield, the manager. George comes to sit with Bertie. Half an hour goes by, and Bertie wonders where Cyril is before he realizes he has been on the stage the entire time, essentially his background. A voice calls Pop, and Bertie sees that Blumenfield's son is the boy that was in his uh, kitchen the day before. Kid says the number is no good and needs to be more zippy. A fair bit through the play, Cyril has only had two lines. The boy says Cyril is rotten and his father agrees and Cyril takes offense. Blumenfield tells him off. Cyril says he doesn't want to hear any lip from the boy. And Blumenfield asks if he understands the boy is his son. Cyril said he did and that they both have his sympathy, which I thought was a good line. <laughs> but then Blumenfield fires him. Cyril is cheerful and says it seems wrong for his father to send him there to learn and for Cyril to waste his time on stage. He's saying this to Bertie at his house, not realizing that Bertie was actually there watching when he got fired. Mm -hmm. He said, Cyril says he talked to Boomenfield and that he understood Cyril's point of view. Bertie realizes that Jeeves engineered this, but Jeeves doesn't admit it. Birdie decides to reward Jeeves by getting rid of the purple socks, but before he is able to do so, the man in charge of the lift thanks him for the purple socks. Jeeves had told him Worcester wanted him to have them. Well, Look, is, is, I mean, there's not a defense. We know that Jeeves is manipulative. That's not manipulative. That's, that's stealing. <laughs> I mean... He manipulated someone to get rid of the socks. Who did he mean? He just gave them to somebody. <laughs> he manipulated the lift guy. Because he, he didn't say, like, hey, here are, you know, Mr. Wooster's socks. I don't like them. You have them. He didn't say that. He said, Mr. Wooster wants you to I have think these the socks. Use of the word manipulate is doing a lot of heavy work here. <laughs> I mean, he just told him a lie. I don't think 
it was manipulating the guy. I don't think the guy was going like, oh, no, I can't take these socks. Oh, but you say this, now I can. Look, we already know Jeeves is not perfect. He wants things his way. That's the only defense that I have. And it's not really a defense. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Besides that pitiful defense. <laughs> you well, had... I mean, you, you told me to defend him, and I'm like, I wasn't going to. <laughs> so I, that I, I had to come tell up you with in a few chapters that a defense would be needed. <laughs> I mean, I guess. But I, I don't have one. Like, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Like, I think in their dynamic, <clears throat> there's a lot that could be fixed. But the fact that it's not is funny. <laughs> you were like, why does Birdie like to push kids in the water? <laughs> but Jeeves, you know, Stockholm syndroming Bert <laughs> Birdie is fine. That's not what's happening. Although I will say, Jeeves' whole thing about the clothes. Like, just solidifies what I said at the beginning about the whole master-slave dynamic, I will say. It's very mastery of him. Anyway, so my notes for Fair. this chapter. So my notes for this chapter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was about to move on to the next chapter. Was me saying that I hate this kid. Well, yeah, he's a kid in a Woodhouse book. Chances yeah. are very good that chances you're are I'm gonna hate them. Um, <laughs> I did really like Jeeves' response when uh, Bernie's like, "Oh, this kid just insulted Cyril," I think. Yeah. And Jeeves uh, says, "It is hardly my place, sir, to criticize the facial peculiarities of your friends." And I'm like, "I like that. I want to use that." And comment on people's facial peculiarities. I mean, Jeeves does has a does have a good deadpan reaction. Yeah. And then I also highlighted at the end, maybe the end. Hold on, let me see if it's actually the end. Because apparently, if I speak without giving context, I get in trouble. It was not at the end. At some point in the chapter. But at some point, I think it was Cyril. I don't know who's talking. But they say. Pip pip, and then another one says toodaloo. You just like, really like toodaloo. I do like toodaloo, but I also like the, the added bonus of pip pip, which you don't hear much anymore. You don't hear a lot of how Birdie speaks anymore, and it makes me sad. I think it's it's very fun. Although I will say, I don't like the unnecessary use of the word what. What? Because, like, so Bernie will be saying something, and he'll be like, oh, yeah, this situation, what? And, like, and that's oh, it. as more of an exclamation kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't like that. Because okay. I'm just like, what? <laughs> I will make sure to let Sir Woodhouse know about that. <laughs> I think it might be a little too late for that. I, I'm fairly certain. Never too late to learn things. Oh, the next chapter has fun notes. Oh, goody. 
Chapter 11. Comrade Bingo. Such a stupid freaking chapter. Oh, this is going to be good. All right. Bertie is back in London. He's at the park and runs into a man he realizes is Bingo Little's uncle. He's dressed rather dapperly, and he still thinks that Bertie is Rosie and Banks. Bertie asks about Bingo, but the uncle hasn't seen Bingo much since the uncle got married. The uncle is now Lord Bittlesham. <laughs> That's just Bittlesham. <laughs> uh, Bertie recognizes that uh, Lord Bittlesham. I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but it because it sounds ridiculous. Bittlesham. <laughs> He uh, owns the racehorse Ocean Breeze. At this point, Bertie notices that people are looking at them because a bearded man is pointing at them, calling them bloodsuckers, suggesting Bertie has never done an honest day's work in his life. Which, okay, sure, fair, but that's rude. And then the man insults Lord Biddlesham, commenting on his gluttony. The next day, Bertie goes to the club and sees Bingo, letting him know Bertie saw his uncle. Bertie knows that he did because he was actually the young man in the beard. Bertie doesn't understand, and Bingo, Bingo shows him a photo of a young woman, Charlotte Corday Robatham. Hell of a name. Yeah. Apparently, her father is for the revolution. The two of them met on a bus and. Bingo got her address and bought a beard and went to her house. The reason he got the beard was because he would have to join the Red Dawn. <laughs> and wasn't that on a Marvel show or something? <laughs> uh, was it? Or, well, no. I know there was a movie in the 80s called The Red Dawn, which don't bother watching it. It was not good. <laughs> okay. I watch it anyway, but <laughs> yeah, I'm like because I watch so many movies now. Yeah, uh, but apparently there's something red in the Marvels. I I don't know that I'm thinking of. Uh, but if Bingo is going to be making speeches in the park, he didn't want anyone to recognize him. Uh, Charlotte's father thinks he's a Bolshevik. Bingo invites himself and his revolutionary friends to tea at Birdie's. Him, Charlotte, her father, and Comrade Butt, who I do not believe was a constable at Riken. That would have been really funny. <laughs> it went from being oh. a constable to a comrade. <laughs> Although, I do think, I don't know what's funnier, like, the constable becoming a comrade, or that there's more than one Butt around. Well, everyone has one. Oh, and apparently, uh, Comrade Butt is also semi-engaged to Charlotte. Bertie tells Jeeves he needs help with a problem, but wants Jeeves to see the person, see the people first himself. Which, see? Bertie's thinking. <laughs> he also has Jeeves purchase a lot of sardines, which makes Jeeves shudder. Oh, Bertie says that the, for the first time he felt like he might have seen Jeeves come close to being rattled when he sees Bingo's beard. Bingo introduces everyone, and the old man asks Bertie if he is for the revolution. Bertie points out that since the revolution is all for massacre, 
in coves like him, he's not quite all in on the idea. Fair. Dingo, what? Fair. Fair. <laughs> Dingo says <laughs> he's talking Birdie to a side. Uh, Birdie asks Jeeves for more water, and Charlotte's father is upset at Jeeves being a servant. After they leave, Birdie asks Jeeves thoughts, but Jeeves hasn't formulated a plan yet. Another word that I've discovered that I like and that I'm very amused at how often it's applied to Birdie is toddling. Is what? Toddling. 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 Like when you're walking, you're toddling. Oh, toddling. Okay. <laughs> it's used several times with Birdie and it's just the image in my head makes me laugh. Of like this grown man oh, the walking. Oh, Chaplin thing. No, it's, and that might be how it's actually meant. But I'm picturing like him walking like a toddler, <laughs> like falling down a lot, <laughs> <laughs> and like 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 putting his hands on things, to like keep his balance. <laughs> Just plopping down on his butt. I'm sure that's not what Woodhouse meant, but I'm just like, <laughs> I I don't think that using the word toddling in reference to a grown man walking should really be used at all, no matter what the meaning is. <laughs> just say well, he walked. I, I'm I'm sure it's more of a progression of language now. It's probably yeah. used more. Yeah, and or it could just be a Woodhouse thing. You know. It could be, but it, yeah, it just it made me laugh, and so I had to highlight it. With Bingo, I don't I don't know where in this chapter this happened. Oh, it was right after I highlighted toddling. Oh, it was after the whole thing in the park. Birdie has run into Bingo at the club, and Bingo is talking, and and I started I started noticing. I'm like. Oh, he was the guy in the beard before it comes out that that is what happened. Yeah. And so I, I just, I just wrote, fuck you, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as, as soon as that thought popped in my head, I'm like, fuck you. Like <laughs> what a colossal asshat. I've already said, fuck, I might as well say asshat. <laughs> <laughs> like I kind of hate him. That's that's funny because he appears in stories without Birdie in them too. So we will be seeing him again. Why do all the really crappy characters like appear in other books like, like without their saving grace? To be fair, I I don't think Bingo is as unlikable in these short stories as he is here okay he's not completely likable sure what he has going for him which i will be spoiling the end of the book here is he is married yeah. in these stories but he's still he's not quite as i would say belligerent to other people especially people who are his friends but he is still very much absent-minded and a little self-centered. But he just happens to be going against people who are more punching down on him than mm -hmm. him 
punching out at people who are like birdie. <laughs> yeah. And then my, my other note was another comment on like life. Uh, <laughs> life, man. <laughs> um, I don't know why when I'm talking about these particular sections, I become like a hippie. I don't know. You were like gesturing like you were holding I know, a I, like, even, wine or something. I know. Like, I'm like literally holding like <laughs> sifting wine or something as I'm talking. Yeah, expect to look like those long stem cigarettes. Life. I'm over here like philosophizing. <laughs> Life is a toodling. <laughs> toddling. Toddling. Life is toddling. <laughs> toddling. I like T words, I'm noticing. Yeah. Um, so the quote is, I've found as a general rule in life that the things you think are going to be the scaliest nearly always turn out not so bad after all. And I, I highlighted that because I think that's true. But the second half of that sentence is, Birdie was wrong in thinking this. Because <laughs> it's referencing the, like the tea party and how just bad it went. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Oftentimes, the things that you think are the scaliest turn out not to be, but <laughs> often they do. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're burning like one way or the other. <laughs> chapter twelve: Bingo has a good wood. That's the name of the chapter. Bingo has had a bad good wood. Oh, a bad good wood. Yes. I was gonna say, I'm like I feel like I would have commented on how well, perverted that sounded. I was reading my notes earlier and I saw yeah. that and I was like, oh, I must have done a typo. So I had <laughs> to open up the book and I was like, oh no, that's actually the chapter title. <laughs> but chapter 12, Bingo has a bad good wood. It doesn't make it sound that much better. <laughs> if it lasts longer than four hours, see your doctor. <laughs> Bertie, who has promised to talk to Bingo about his thoughts on Charlotte, runs into him and his uncle the next day. Lord Biddlesham is startled and they explain that he received a threatening letter. Bingo's uncle thinks that the bearded man in the park, who was Bingo, but he doesn't know it, is the one who sent the letter. Bingo says he is going to try to find the man. His uncle wants to involve the police, but Bingo doesn't want that. The uncle leaves and Bertie asks if Bingo sent the letter. See, Bertie's not dumb. He's naive. I didn't think he was dumb. The uncle wants to involve the police, but Bingo doesn't want that. The uncle leaves and Bertie asks if Bingo sent the letter. He did because he thinks it's a good financial thing to do. The uncle has given him money already for expenses. He shows a check, which he plans to put all in on Ocean Breeze. And I have to say... Bingo is probably the first person, if maybe one of very few, who has made me feel bad for the uncles in these stories. Mm. Generally, the uncles who hold the purse strings are their obstacles and not very interesting people that you care about what happens to them. But I mean, Bingo's just a dick. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Birdie loses track of Bingo for a little after that. Jeeves said he ran into a comrade butt 
at one point and seemed very down. I just like emphasizing that just as do your 14-year-old boy giggle. <laughs> at the race, Ocean Breeze doesn't win. Birdie runs into the uncle who did not bet on his own horse, and he is upset because the bearded man is there talking. Then Comrade Butt talks, and he says that Lord Biddlesham's own nephew is there, and he rips off Bingo's beard. Bingo attacks him, but a policeman comes and takes the both of them. Jeeves later tells Birdie that Bingo had called him and had decided to uh, go to the country. Jeeves had given him 10 pounds for his financial difficulty, which Birdie approves of, because, I don't know, don't give Bingo anything. <laughs> Jeeves said he had, quote-unquote, inadvertently talked to Comrade Butt, which gave Bingo's, uh, I'm blanking on the term, oh my god, Ruse? Yeah, which had given Bingo's ruse away. That wasn't the word I was thinking of, but I can't. I blanked on identity. Oh. <laughs> had given Bingo's identity away. Now Charlotte's father has put the kibosh on the relationship, believing that Bingo's a spy. Birdie gives Jeeves the money on his drawer as a reward. Jeeves gets so much money from Birdie. He should let the occasional purple sock go. I'm just saying. No. <laughs> you have any notes on this? <laughs> One. The idea of Bingo telling Birdie that he should show tact made me laugh. Well, Bingo says a bunch of idiotic stuff, so. Yeah, because he says, like, what you want in situations of this kind, Birdie, is tact. If I had gone to my uncle and asked him for 50 quid, would I have got it? No. But by exercising tact... Oh, by the way, what do you think of Charlotte? Like, man, you are the <laughs> least tactful person. Also, I like exercising tact. Pretending that your uncle is going to be uh, attacked, sending him threatening letters. <laughs> yeah, like that... When he said that, I just highlighted it and I didn't know it. I'm like, tact? Yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> well, plus, not only it's hilarious coming from Bingo, but also saying that to Birdie to show tact, I'm like, I'm sorry. My cinnamon roll Birdie. But have you met him? Cinnamon roll? He's a cinnamon roll. <laughs> Do you not know about that? Is that a fandom thing? I, I guess I'm like, He's gooey? <laughs> I mean, I guess on the inside. <laughs> no, it's just, God, all right. Try to explain fandom. On top. <laughs> Try to explain fandom culture. Okay. <laughs> the cinnamon roll thing is like, you have a character who like looks like a cinnamon roll, is a cinnamon roll. You have a character who looks like a cinnamon roll, but could kill you. You have a character who could kill you, but is actually a cinnamon roll. And then I think there's, like, a fourth one. Oh, who, who looks like he could kill you and could actually kill you. So, like, there's, like, a spectrum of characters. But, like, Birdie is just a cinnamon roll. That didn't help me at all. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. No, I, I think we'll just let that sit there. Okay. And be. Just, you know what? For anyone also, listening and for Dad... Go to Urban Dictionary and type in cinnamon roll. Also, I don't I don't like cinnamon rolls. So. 
Okay, it's a term. I'm not telling you you need to eat it every time you hear the word. That's good, because I don't like cinnamon rolls. You don't have to eat it, although you're weird for not liking it. I want to see what Urban Dictionary says now. A character that is very kind and sweet, but faces more hardship and suffering than they truly deserve. Okay, well, based on that description, yes. He's a cinnamon roll. Do you have any more notes on that chapter? Uh, no, tact was my only one. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> it was so long ago because we went off on a cinnamon roll tangent that <laughs> I, 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 I thought there were a lot more notes that had. No, there was just one. It's nope. just cinnamon rolls. <laughs> well, Bernie is the cinnamon roll. <laughs> I think I broke dad's brain. I'm just trying to picture what Jeeves is supposed to be now. A scone? <laughs> no, that's not how it works. A tea biscuit? No. <laughs> He'd probably be a cinnamon, but like like a cinnamon roll. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go and continue on chapter 13. Chapter 13? The, yeah. The Great Sermon Handicap. <laughs> Wait, did you say cinnamon? I said the great sermon handicap. Oh, sermon. Unless you listen back to this when you're editing it, I actually said that, but I'm pretty sure I did. No, I think you said sermon. Okay. <laughs> I think I just heard cinnamon. <laughs> I think you got it on the brain right now. Now I want cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon rolls suck. Dad doesn't like cinnamon, so. They're, they're too sweet. And also, I'm not I'm not an icing fan. In that's true, you're not really on nice most fan. things. I wouldn't say they're too sweet, though. The icing is. The icing it's, is. I I will absolutely give you that. Oh no, but cinnamon rolls without the icing, they're fine. Yeah. The icing sucks. It is sweltering in London, and Bertie thinks that they would do well to go somewhere else. As it happens, Brady receives a letter telling him where Bingo is. Yay. He has another tutoring job. He is at Queen Hall. And I just love Twing. <laughs> I, did, I did like that. I'm like, I want to have a house that could be called a hall. And I want to call it Twing Hall. I do like something like Twing Hall is uh, owned by somebody named Lord Wick Hammersley. The names are great. Uh, and he's an old friend of Bertie's father. Uh, unfortunately, for me at least, Claude and Eustace are also there. Uh, Eustace tells Bertie to come if he wants to make a lot of money on a sporting event. Geez, point out that the letter continues on the other side, and it turns out the sporting event is a sermon handicap. There are 10 reverends, with Tucker getting the best odds at 5-2. to two. There's no additional clue about what this means. The train arrives, and after quickly dressing, Bertie is able to get to the meal uh, while soup is being served. He's seated next to uh, Wick Hammersley, eldest daughter, Cynthia. He thought he might have been in love with her once, but now they're just great pals. She talks about all the people there, and when Bertie sees Bingo, he mentions that he knows them. And Cynthia wonders if Bingo is wrong in the head. Yes. Uh, based on the way that he looks at her. 
she imitates it upon Birdie's request, and Birdie says it only means Bingo is in love with her. Uh, the two of them have a very decent back and forth as compared to many interactions Birdie has had with others. Usually there's some misunderstanding or the girl thinks that he's proposing to her or something. The ladies leave the room and Birdie talks to Bingo. And Bingo's pretty cold to him at first until he learns Birdie has known Cynthia for a long time. He asks if she said anything about him and Birdie says she thought Bingo was good looking. And then Bingo tells Birdie to go away because now he needs to write poetry. Uh, Bingo comes into Birdie's room reciting horrible poetry he's written for Cynthia. Jeeves brings some tea in. Birdie actually lets Bingo recite more poetry. I don't know why. <laughs> and then Claude and Eustace come in. They tell him the plan. Basically, the next day, the Parsons will be doing sermons and they will be clocked. And one, the one with the longest sermon will be the winner. They ask Jeeves if he wants to participate, and Jeeves says no, which is a pretty big clue that something's going to happen if Jeeves doesn't want it on it. Heppenstall, a vicar that they all know, doesn't have great odds, but Stagels, the person who made the odds, doesn't realize the sermon he used to base it on uh, that the vicar had dropped several pages so that his sermon only lasted 20 minutes when it usually lasts much, much longer. Bingo has his plans in hand based on his winning, including him marrying Cynthia. I don't believe he's actually talked to her at this mm-hmm. point. Stagels uh, sees Heppenstall do another sermon, so he makes odds 15 to 8 on him now. And then Clotting used to say they're worried because the parson Hayward delivered 26 minutes at a village wedding. Imagine what he might do with a sermon. They want more money from Birdie to bet. Get your own damn money. But Birdie suggests that he ask Heppenstall to do his sermon on brotherly love. And Heppenstall agrees. That's going to be a long one. So Eustace calls the next day to say Heppenstall is coughing up a fit. Bingo tells Birdie Jeeves lost a tenor by betting on Bates, but then Jeeves brings a letter from Heppenstall, which explains he asked his nephew Bates to do the brotherly love sermon, particularly since Bates is up for a headmastership. Bingo rails against it being against the rules, but Bertie says there's nothing wrong with it. And then Jeeves said it should certainly be allowed since Bates would require a headmastership in order to marry his fiance Cynthia. <laughs> Thoughts? So the, the funny part is, I only have one note for this. Really? It was such a long chapter, and I only have one note. <laughs> that was one of my favorite chapters in the book. No, I, I liked it. Although, I do think it kicks off this this part of the book where I'm like, are they all gambling addicts? <laughs> because they're literally making bets out of, like, just the most insane things. Woodhouse did love his gambling. <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, you can just, like, watch a sermon or not watch a sermon. Like, you don't need a bet on it. I mean, to be fair, if I was there and had to watch a sermon, I might want something else involved, too. <laughs> I mean, just do what I did and count the lights. That's what I, when I was a kid and I had to go to church, 
during the sermon, I would just, I would inevitably get distracted. I would just start counting the lights on the ceiling. Okay. That I could see, that I could see without being super obvious that I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so my, my only note was making a comment, or not even a comment, I highlighted because I like the way that Woodhouse wrote this when Bernie's talking to Cynthia about bingo. And Cynthia's like, he keeps looking at me strangely. And, and Bernie asks, like, what, what sort of face is he making? She opened her mouth and eyes pretty wide and let her jaw drop sideways and managed to look so like a, and I'm going to pronounce this word incorrectly, dyspeptic? Yeah, no, you got it. Okay. Calf that I recognize the symptoms immediately. So, like, even with a, a woman impersonating the face that Bingo makes, Bernie's like, oh, he loves you. <laughs> <laughs> And Cynthia rightly was like, I've never spoken to him. <laughs> that does not matter. Not with bingo. No, it doesn't. Not with bingo. All right. But yeah, that, that was probably one of my favorite chapters in the book. I know. I think I like the, I think it's the next one. The purity of the turf? Yes. Okay. Chapter yes. 14, the purity of the turf. At Twing Hall, Bertie has been avoiding bingo since he's such a pain after the Cynthia affair. He tries to head bingo off at breakfast, but bingo says the past is the past. He wants to know if Bertie wants to get into a, another sporting event. There is a, oh yeah, I like this one too. Yeah. There's a, I, I, I guess I like the betting ones. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, it makes it, it makes it interesting. Even while I'm like looking at them, like, are you guys adding something? You guys have a problem. But I enjoy but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> there is a jamboree, and Bingo wants to bet on several events at the jamboree. Jeeves agrees with it, so Bertie says he's all in. Events include a girls under 14 50 yard race, a boys and girl mixed animal potato race, two women being involved, one person holding a potato and making the assigned animal noise, and the other with a sack making the same noise. Both Bertie and G's feel like they should avoid that. One thing I do like about this chapter is how well Bertie and G's are working together. Yeah. The next event is the mother sack race with Miss Mrs. Pennyworth, who has won three times at fairs in another town and nobody else knows about her. There is also a girls open spoon and egg race, which previous winner Sarah Miles is likely to win again. There is also the obstacle race and the father's hat trimming contest. And finally, there is a choir boy's 100-yard handicap. Jeeves thinks that Harold the page boy can win it. The boy is rather rotund and Bertie doubts it, but Jeeves points out that he tried to clip the boy after Harold made remarks about Jeeves' appearance. He austerely claims he can't remember what the remarks are. <laughs> uh, the village boys haven't seen Harold run, so they won't know. They test the boy by bribing him to insult the footman and see how quickly he runs. They put the kid on training, including no pastries and no smoking. One day after Bingo had done training with the boy, he tells Bertie he should have seen Stegel's face after seeing Harold sprint. <sighs> Bingo. <laughs> the boy had been messing with Stegel's golf clubs and he chased after Harold. He chases after Bingo, showing how fast the boy could run. Bingo thinks it's okay as they already placed their bets 
Bertie thinks Stegel will try to get Harold out beforehand, and Jeeves agrees. And see, it, Bertie knows what's going on. Bingo has to go to London and wants Bertie to go to the church service that night since both Harold and Stegels are in the choir. Harold is on thin ice with the vicar already, and if he acts up one more time, he'll be dropped, which means he would be scratched from the race. Stegels put a, puts a beetle down Harold's shirt, another Woodhouse oldie but goodie, causing the boy jump up and down the screen. The vicar gives Harold no credit and drops him. So they have Mrs. Pennyworth and the mother sack race. Jeeves also suggests backing Prudence Baxter, a relative unknown in the egg race. Bertie meets her and hears from the vicar that Stegels has escorted Mrs. Pennyworth to the refreshment tent and loaded her with tea and cake, causing her to lose the sack race. They really take their gambling seriously. Bingo is frustrated but thinks they still have Harold and Bertie has to break the news to him. The egg race happens and Prudence doesn't do very well and Sarah wins. Stegels is very happy. But then the vicar makes an announcement that he has been informed that a manservant approached several of the racers and gave five shillings for them to complete the race. Remorse has made the manservant confess. Because of this, the first four finishers are disqualified and the fifth wins. The fifth was Prudence. Mm -hmm. Jesus, Machiavellian. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> oh, and I'm sorry if it wasn't apparent, the manservant who confessed was Jeeves. Well, yeah, yeah, just I felt like that was kind of obvious. <laughs> yeah, Bingo comes in to talk to Bertie <laughs> in the morning, and Bertie has a thought of like. I could stand having him moaning all over me after dinner and even after lunch, but at breakfast, no. We Woosters are amiability itself, but there is a limit. Yeah, Bernie's not a morning person. <laughs> no, he's not. And so I, my comment was like, I am a Wooster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did highlight when Jeeves was like, I can't remember what insults the kid threw at me. Uh, because I was like, sure you can't. <laughs> remember <laughs> remembers oh I, I highlighted a bit of, of foreshadowing or I don't even know if it's foreshadowing it's just like oh well of course this isn't going to work out because it's Woodhouse but when Bingo and Birdie are like training Harold the kid I made a comment I'm like Birdie is showing his eagerness too much Harold's going to screw them over although to be fair it wasn't, it wasn't Birdie's fault <laughs> well no it wasn't Birdie's fault but it also wasn't Harold's fault <laughs> But I was just like, oh, this isn't going to work out. They're putting too much effort in. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of I like the the like the left hand turn it took yeah. they were expecting something with the choir boys race and then it yeah. ends up coming down to the egg race. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> Bertie actually has a thought of, I must say I got a bit fed with young bingo in the next few days. And I added a note, I'm like, because he sucks. <laughs> yeah, but also he sucks so much that that Birdie got tired. Birdie is like, dude. <laughs> yeah. And then the last comment I have on this one 
So Steggles, whose first name is Rupert, says, Rupert Steggles, between ourselves, a rather self-centered youth. And I commented, it seems a trend for Rupert's. You, you, you're, you're still... I still don't like Smith. Who isn't a Rupert in his last... That's book. in his last one. He's a Rupert when I knew him. <laughs> I mean, yes, you still know him as Rupert, but then you're going to get to that book and it's like, nope. It's not Rupert anymore. <laughs> It'd be great if that was like a note in there of like his name's not Rupert anymore. <laughs> no, he just calls him something different and doesn't yeah. comment on it. <laughs> okay. All right. Chapter 15, the Metropolitan Touch. Bertie receives a letter from Bingo. Uh, which says he has fallen in love at last and wants Bertie to come to Twing Hall and to bring Jeeves and also to purchase some cigarettes. Bertie realizes Bingo gave the telegram to the village postmistress, which means everyone in the area already knows about it, showing Bertie to be more on the ball than maybe we've seen in previous stories and despite what Jeeves has said. Bertie shows Jeeves the telegram and Jeeves informs him Bingo is in love with Mary Burgess, the niece of Reverend Heppenstall. Jeeves had formed a friendship with the butler there, so he's gotten all the straight dope. He, what? Dope. Dope. Language is fun. But don't tell me you haven't heard that one before. No! Good lord. I mean, I've heard about it in a different context. Well, I, I don't want to know. Jeeves thinks. Well, I mean, not personally. <laughs> anyway, Jeeves thinks that the young lady is a good match for Bingo and that they should help. They get there and Bingo has Jeeves go on with the car so he and Bertie can walk and talk. Bertie notes they're going the long way around, and Mary goes on a walk with her brother. And Bingo wanted Bertie to see her. After a long wait, she comes along, but they see she that she's accompanied by a curate, which upset Bingo. By the way, unsurprisingly, Bingo has had very little actual interaction with her. Uh, G says the curate is a Reverend Wingham, who is Bingo's rival in Mary's affection. I don't know how this is going to turn out. He suggests a good way to get in with the young lady is to make friends with her brother. Should we push him into the water? Yeah, I was like, we should definitely push him into the water. Bingo does so, and everything seems to be going swimmingly. But two weeks later, Bertie gets a note from him asking for him to come back and also for more cigarettes. Bertie is getting a little tired of Bingo shit. <laughs> Are you okay? I mean, it's true. <laughs> I, I think it's important to note that nowhere in the actual chapter does it say Bertie is getting tired of bingo shit. That is cool if it did. That is a self-insert from dad. So yeah. Bertie wants nothing to do with bingo. So Jeeves says that he will run down and see what he can do. Jeeves comes back and says that Stegles is taking bets on the relationship now. Uh, Stegel's engineers the eating contest and young woman who does not favor sporting castigates bingo. G suggests that he tried doing good works to get in her graces. 
Another few weeks later, Bertie comes home to find Bingo in his bed, even though Jeeves made up a bed in the spare bedroom. Bingo figured Bertie would be a good host and want him to have Bertie's bed. Such a jackass. Uh, just... <clears throat> My statement on that... <clears throat> <laughs> Bingo isn't worried about Wingham anymore since he has the moms. He was producing the village school Christmas entertainment and now Bingo has taken over the job. He says what Wingham was doing was boring and he's going to jazz up. When Bernie, when Bertie points out that Bingo can't write, Bingo says he's going to pinch from other works that he plans to see while he is in London. Bertie doesn't see Bingo again for about three weeks. He comes home to Jeeve looking at a poster for the Christmas pageant with it also saying that Richard Little, which I believe is the first time I knew that he was Richard, or maybe no, no, he didn't say at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. He just seems like a Bingo, not a Richard. <laughs> You're just like, I have respect for Richards. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the only app, more apt name from him would be Dick. <laughs> Uh, but it says that Richard Little was responsible for hook, music, lyrics, scenery, and also producing. The poster is about seven feet tall. <laughs> Worcester asks Jeeves about his thoughts, and Jeeves is doubtful. He says what plays in London is not always acceptable to the rural mind. Bertie says he guess he must go to Twing Hall to see the thing. Twing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the sound if you you hit like a a metal swing set with a bat just twing. is that something you have a lot of experience doing anyway Rudy gets there just as it's supposed to start he goes to the back whereas he says all the tough eggs are stegel pokes him in the side he says the rates about bingo are worse than ever Bertie asks if he's going to do anything this night, and Stagel acts innocent. The event starts out fine, but then at one point, the lights go out. After about 10 minutes, they get the lights turned on and start again, but some of the enjoyment is worn off. There is a ballad bingo ripped off from a show in London, and it's a little too ripe for the rural folks. And at one point, the kid singing it stops and tries to get off stage, but bingo snaps at him. Bingo then tries to get the squire at the front of the audience to do a call and response, but the squire simply sits there and does nothing. And then the lights go off again. When they come back on, the squire is seen leaving. They do the act one finale, which also involves actors on the stage lightly tossing oranges made of wool, or supposed to be, to the audience. Of course, here people actually start tossing the oranges all around. Bertie gets hit by one that decides it's probably time for him to start leaving. As soon as he is out, he sees the rest of the audience leaving, pretty much cursing Bingo. So much so that they plan on tossing Bingo in the pond. See, I knew somebody was supposed to <laughs> water. Bertie feels he has to warn Bingo. He finds Bingo and Bertie tells him Stegels had substitute real oranges for the woolen ones. He also says that the girl told him off and never wanted to see him again, which he should be used to. Later, Jeeves directs Bertie to an engagement announcement between Wingham and Mary. 
Birdie says he expected this, but feels bad for Jeeves not getting his plans to work. But Jeeves says he is satisfied as he once, as once he found Stegles was involved, he made sure to make himself financially richer. Machiavellian. I mean, yeah, but at least this time it's at Bingo's expense and not Birdie's. I mean, yeah, that that's a, that I always enjoy when it's not at Birdie's <laughs> expense. There was an interaction at the beginning of the chapter between Jeeves and Bertie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bertie pretty much says, like, good Lord, Jeeves, is there anything you don't know? And Jeeves just said, I couldn't say, sir. I'm just like, that, that is accurate. You could not say if you don't know something. Good job. <laughs> also, when Jeeves is perturbed by something, mm-hmm. I love when, when Bertie's like, Oh, I can tell Jesus is perturbed because his left eyebrow flickered upwards. <laughs> I did it, but it was too much. <laughs> it was too much. It's just like just a little flick. <laughs> so it's just like I don't I just love Jeeves. I, I think he's just this like he he's like toast. He's so dry. Oh. <laughs> Drive at comforting <laughs> to me. I guess I just don't have that same relationship with toast that you do. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, dry, comforting. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, when when you're sick, you eat toast. No, it's like no. Really- oh, okay. Well, when I'm sick, I eat like a okay. crap ton of toast. That's what I said. You have a different relationship <laughs> with toast than I do. Um, there was another austerely. And then, so when, when the oranges are being thrown, I, this, this is greatly upsetting to me. So I made a comment, like, did they really- allergic to oranges? Yes. (laughs) I made a comment. Did they really throw oranges? You could kill someone. (laughs) And this is another one where our experiences are different. I didn't even think about anything like that because I'm not allergic to oranges. Like, but allergy aside, if you're throwing an orange and someone's not expecting, like, you could cause serious damage. I mean, yes. And so it's like, that's so dangerous. But again, these are in the same books that were kidnapping children and pushing people into water. I guess I just have a bigger issue with people throwing oranges. Well, yes, I I understand that. I mean, you probably have a more serious issue if, like, there were clowns in the book, too. (laughs) There's not any Woodhouse stories with clowns in it, right? I don't believe so. I won't say 100%, but there's nothing that comes to mind. Okay. There better not be. I just don't think, one, that clowns are something that Woodhouse would enjoy, so I wouldn't see them sure. coming into play in yeah. his books. That's fair. So that's that's what I had. Okay. Chapter 16. Yay! The delayed exit of Claude and Eustace. Which, it's, not, it's not a yay. It takes a long time for that to happen. Oh, it, it does take, but... I believe I believe they are mentioned again, but I don't believe that they make any appearances in the I right. could be wrong, but yeah. they don't make any appearance that come to mind and trust me. It would have left an impression. 
Aunt Agatha comes one morning to talk to Bertie about Claude and Eustace. Bertie is generally left out of family rows because his family thinks he has nothing to contribute, and he's fine with that. Agatha says they are to leave for South Africa on Friday, two days from then. Bertie wonders about the term at Oxford. She explains they were expelled for pouring lemonade on the junior dean and chastises Bertie for not having known that because Agatha can bite my ass. That's where <laughs> like, damn, all right. Their mother, Emily, wanted to keep them in London, but Agatha insisted because she is a pain in the ass. But to be fair, Claude and Eustace are people I'd want in another country myself. She says the two of them are to be in London Thursday and that Bertie is to be responsible for them because Agatha, well, never mind. After Agatha leaves, Bertie looks for sympathy from Jeeves, but Jeeves is upset because Bertie bought shoes with his school colors rather than normal colors Jeeves would approve of. Claudine used to show up and act like Bertie's friends and that they take advantage of him and catch his cigarettes and whiskey. They explain it was a senior tutor they spilled lemonade on and that it was actually soda water. Bertie suggests a meal, talk, and then go into bed early, but the twins think an all-nighter is a better idea. They stay out until nine in the morning. Bertie wakes up later that day and finds that Claude is still there. When Bertie questions him, Claude talks about a woman Bertie introduced them to, uh, Marion Warder. Warder. Bertie asks about uh, Van Elsen, the man who expects the twins to be in South Africa, and Claude says he'll have Eustace. Claude goes out, and almost immediately Eustace comes in. It appears he, like Claude, has fallen for Marion. Then Claude comes back in, and the two of them are aghast at the other still being there. They decide they'll just let the best man win and completely take advantage of Bertie when he asks where they're going to stay and what to do about Aunt Agatha. Bertie's too good. He should have had Jeeves toss them out on their ears. Okay. Of course, he's a valet, and I don't know if they're allowed to do such thing or if it's a butler's only policy. I think it might be a butler only policy. Because I have witnessed in Woodhouse mm -hmm. butlers throwing people. Yeah. I think I've ever seen a valet do it. I think the valet is more of like, like directly personal yeah, for, it, for that it, person. Because it's for that person. I don't know if they're allowed yeah. to toss people out like that. Yeah. But these are things we need to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> The next day, Aunt Agatha comes in moments after the twins left the apartment. She's concerned. Apparently, her husband, George, feels like he saw the ghost of Eustace. When she leaves and the twins come back, they decide the solution is to wear disguises. Jeeves still shows no sympathy because this story is called Everyone Acts Like a Turd to Bertie. I think this was the chapter where I started to... Yeah, I was like, I could tell you were getting kind of fed up. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I disliked the chapter itself, although I do agree with you. It did kind of go on and on yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Marion comes over one day and asks if the twins are at home. Bertie says no, and she says they're in her house at the moment. She says they're always around and sitting on her doorstep and giving her gifts and pretty much being creepy stalkers. I mean, she didn't say that, but that's that's what it is. That, that is how they're behaving. Yeah. One of them gave her a cigarette lighter. That will come into play soon. <laughs> Aunt Agatha comes the next day and wants Bertie to accompany Uncle George to Harrogate. 
Like this twit couldn't do it herself. She <laughs> wants to go there for rest and re relaxation. The man is drinking more and has had his cigarette lighter stolen by a man with whiskers. Claude tells Bertie he feels he should actually go to South Africa after getting fair from Bertie, not wanting his twin to know. And later, Jeeves tells Bertie Eustace said the same thing. Bertie tells Jeeves he knows things will work themselves out, which, okay. <laughs> later, he receives a letter from Marianne with money in it, asking for him to thank Jeeves for her. Oh, Jeeves had her tell each of them that she was going to South Africa for a theater engagement. Also, Jeeves got them a two-person berth, so they would have to be together. Jeeves tell Bertie that Uncle George called and said he didn't plan to go to Harrogate anymore. Jeeves had given his man his pick-me-up recipe, and the man felt better. Bertie says Jeeves may burn the spats, and Jeeves says he has already done so. Sigh. <laughs> you know, I don't mind... Birdie giving the stuff up. Sure. But it's the Jeeves doing stuff before Birdie yeah. says it that is a step and that's fair. too far. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Like, I think it is funny, but I also, like, if that happened to me, like, in real life, I'd be like, um, excuse you, well, now you need to buy me a new pair. Yeah, and I also have to point out, when I read the Jeeves books, I read all of them in a row so mm -hmm. this all compounded yeah so i'm kind of like leave my party alone i don't know why i did that as shrek i don't don't know why you did that either people so, are like onions <laughs> i think you should probably stop doing that <laughs> you know how badly i want to continue doing it now. i know <laughs> <laughs> so i i highlighted a part where i I thought I was being funny. <laughs> so the quote is, we Woosters freeze like the Dickens when we seek sympathy and meet with cold reserve. Oh, I think what I actually, oh, what actually came before that is like, I'm bound to say I drew myself up a trifle haughtily and then we Woosters freeze like the Dickens. And so I made a comment. I'm just like, like a rooster? Because like rooster, Roosters, when they're starting, they'll like make themselves big. But do they do it haughtily? I think so. Okay. I think roosters are pretty haughty. <laughs> are they? Are they pretty haughty? Are they pretty haughty? <laughs> Not the second one. They are ugly birds. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I just don't have. Them much experience with roosters so i want to take i thought you were to say I, I thought you were to say you have a different relationship with roosters than i do i was gonna say that but <laughs> oh and then i highlighted i highlighted this and then i realized that it's actually a different word than i thought it was mm -hmm. so it's talking about jeeves's like concoction bernie says like it's something he puts in them the worcester sauce or something I th like it is Worcester. I thought it was Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the reason I highlighted because I'm like a word that no one can pronounce <laughs> correctly. 
but that's it's actually a different sauce. It's actually Worcester. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was it? That was it. Are you sure there aren't other condiments you'd like to talk about? <laughs> How do you say it? Worcestershire. Huh. Worcestershire. <laughs> I, I can tell you that's not it. Worcestershire. 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 Close enough. Okay. Chris and I have this conversation all the time. Of like, how do you pronounce this word? <laughs> That's uh, where I got the Worcestershire thing from him. Stop saying that. Because... It's going to get stuck in my head, and then I'm going to start using it, and that's going to yeah, annoy me. That's exactly what happened, because that's not how I used to pronounce it. Well, no longer pronounce it. Just do not say the word anymore. Worcestershire. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> okay. On to the next chapter. All right. Chapter 17. <clears throat> Bingo and the Little Woman. Bertie finds Bingo at the Senior Liberal Club as the drones club is closed for a bit of annual cleaning. Bingo almost immediately pushes for Bertie to buy his meal since he still has no money from his uncle. Bertie asks Bingo what he feels about the lunch choices when the waitress comes up, but Bingo doesn't answer. Want to guess why? The waitress is very good looking and not familiar to Bertie, so of course Bingo has already fallen in love with her. Bingo confirms this. Later, Bertie tells Jeeves to stand by because he knows Bingo will be coming for assistance later. Ten days later, Bingo comes by and says he wants Bertie to smooth things over with his uncle for him. <laughs> Bertie asks why he doesn't wait until things are settled, and Bingo says she accepted his proposal that morning. Bingo wants Bertie to do the Rosie and Banks thing again, and Bertie resists, at which point Bingo pulls the guilt trip. Punch him in the nose, Bertie! That's what I wrote. <laughs> Bertie did not punch him in the nose. He no, let himself be guilted. Bertie never punches him in the nose. <laughs> of course, Bertie gives in. Bingo wants Bertie to talk about the latest book, which of course he hasn't read, and Bingo says, we'll have to read it. Sure. <laughs> Lord Biddlesham is very inviting to Bertie, and when Bertie brings up Bingo is talked into even being gracious to him, is still a little hesitant. He tells Bertie he'll have to think about it. Bingo thinks Bertie threw things up, the ungrateful cur. And then <laughs> three days later, he tells Bertie he is married. Oh, yeah, I guess that is that it's, yeah. chapter. It's, it's mainly like the gambling ones and yeah. swing hall that are really long. Yeah, okay. I have a lot of notes on this one and not really any in the next one. Oh, uh, okay. That's why I was confused. My first one is a question. Yes. What is an asbestos vest? I don't know. Is it, I what is it's asbestos? 
Okay. <laughs> well, okay, because so Jeeves and Bernie are talking about, you know, Bingo's habit of falling in love with random women. And so Jeeves says, Mr. Little is certainly warm, warm-hearted, sir. And Bernie says, warm-hearted. I should think he has to wear asbestos vests. Well, stand by, Jeeves. So I assume... I, I don't know. I, I guess they're, like, heat-resistant? Okay. I guess. I, I just saw that. And, like, obviously, like, you know, times have a change. Yeah. And so asbestos <laughs> is a bad thing. Yeah, we don't just talk about asbestos just out of the blue all the yeah, time. Yeah, and so I was like, I was like, I just need to know what. <laughs> My next one is when Bingo is like doing his guilt trip thing. Mm-hmm. He says, "Bertie, we were at school together," and Bertie says, "It wasn't my fault." <laughs> mm-hmm. Bingo says, "We've been pals for fifteen years." Bertie says, "I know. It's going to take me the rest of my life to live it down." And I just made a note of like. I love Bernie. Hey, uh, it, it doesn't happen as often as it should. It doesn't, but it's but so nice when it does. Sassy Bernie is, is... I love Sassy Bernie. <laughs> yeah. However, my next note <laughs> is when Bernie is talking to the uncle, and he's like... He talked about the whole like marriage or like proposal thing, and the uncle was like totally fine. But then he says... And he could use a bit of the right stuff paid every quarter if he felt like unbelting. And I was just, I was like, well, that was a little tactless. Like, lacking some finesse there, Bernie. But also, he shouldn't be the one to do he, it. No, he, so he shouldn't be the one to do it. to do it, I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah. And then my last one for the book was Bingo talking. I might have known you would muck it up, said young Bingo, which, considering what I had been through for his sake, struck me as a good bit sharper than a serpent's tooth. And I made a note of, because all your friends are dicks, Bertie. I mean, not all of them, but... All the ones I've met. Yeah, I was like, the percentage is heavily leaning toward that. Like, they're on a scale. Of like how dickish are they, but like most of them are dicks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. definitely the ones you've been introduced and, and his family too. I mean, yeah. All right, okay. final chapter, chapter eighteen. All's well. Bertie asks if Bingo is married to the same girl he said he was <laughs> in love with before. <laughs> it's a fair question. It is a very fair question. I'm actually surprised that Bingo is still married to her later on because I figured he would have fallen in love with somebody else. Yeah. Uh, When asked about his uncle, Bingo said his wife said they must part unless he loved her enough to uh, risk his uncle's wrath. And of course he's not because he wants Bertie to break the news to his uncle. Again, Bertie gives in, obviously. Uh, the two of them and Bingo's wife go to the uncle's house with the other two waiting in the hall. Bertie sees the latest Banks novel out with a highlighted page. The uncle comes in and Bertie explains that Bingo got married that morning. The uncle's upset, but then Bertie quotes some of the Banks novel to him, and that seems to mollify the man. And Bertie goes to tell the two newlyweds they can go in. 
Birdie is relaxing, and then Bingo comes storming in, knocking stuff over and being a right ass. Apparently, the couple went in to see the uncle, and Bingo's wife saw the book and asked if he had read it. Three times, he said, and then she said she was the one who wrote it. Apparently, she was working as a waitress for research. Bingo didn't know that she was happy he loved her for her and not for being Rosie and Banks. The uncle called her an imposter, and she got angry, and then she found out that Bingo had done the Rosie and Banks thing for another woman, which made her mad at him because he said he had never been in love before. <laughs> the next day, Bingo calls up Birdie and says the uncle admits that Bingo's wife is actually Rosie and Banks, but feels played a fool by Bingo and Birdie. Bingo tells Birdie that both his wife and uncle are coming to Birdie individually to man to demand a personal explanation because Bingo is a coward and a shit. Again, that wasn't in the book, but... Birdie asks for G's advice, and he suggests Birdie accept a shooting invitation he had received. Birdie stays a week and then comes back, stopping at Bingo's house, where he encounters Lord Biddlesham, who is awkward around him and quickly shuts the door. Birdie encounters Bingo coming up the steps, and Bingo lets it be known... That his uncle thinks Birdie is a loony. He said it was Jeeves' idea. And that Bingo acted like Birdie had told him he was Rosie and Banks. And then they contacted Roderick Glossop, who confirmed Birdie's looniness. Bingo acts like a bitch that Birdie is somehow offended by this. Birdie gets home and pretty much lets it go. And I know I'll upset some here, but Jeeves rightly deserves a pop in the nose. And I'm sorry. That's the only solution that Jeeve, the great mastermind, could come up with? Birdie's a loony. I mean, I don't think it's the only solution. <laughs> and, and if there are other solutions, why did he choose this one? Is it because he's a sadist? Probably just because he's... Because it was, like, the easiest one. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to say Jeeves is some great guy. He is a fun character. I, I I feel like that gif of I the the woman holding the guy up protecting him against somebody. Oh yeah. I think it I think it's Kevin Hart, but it could not be Kevin Hart. I think Hart. it is Kevin Hart. Okay. But I feel like I'm that with Birdie. And it's just like people need to leave him alone. Well, I mean, I agree. People need to leave them alone. Be nice to Birdie. <laughs> but if people were nice to Birdie, we also wouldn't have books. I know, but still. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough, you know, Bingo and Aunt Agatha mm -hmm. and Claude and Eustace don't need yeah. Jeeves coming up from behind them and, you know, hamstringing them. Yeah. I just want Birdie to have, like, a friend who who does have, like, some sort of issue that, like, they need Jeeves' help. But who isn't an asshole? Like, I think that would be fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, so, okay, great. I'm not, not expecting that anytime in the future. <laughs> You're just I'm, like, yeah, that would be nice. That's um, not what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I I could... He He does have one that he almost has a decent relationship with. And it's somebody you met, and you'd probably be surprised by who it is. 
I probably wouldn't remember the name, quite honestly. It's Roderick Glossop. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that is surprising. They actually form some of somewhat of a friendship later on. Huh. All right. Why they form it is going to be an uncomfortable thing. Okay. It, not not because of what they do. Well, kind of what they do, but because <laughs> it doesn't quite play well here in the uh, current times. times. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you want to talk about what book we're going to read next? Oh, we are going to be reading Quick Service, which is a standalone novel. Don't know really how to explain it because I. <laughs> it's it's a uh, young man who falls in love with a woman. So I've eliminated many books now. Yes. Um, and gets himself hired into her house and basically guides uh, many members of the family on their path. And it also has to do with advertising and ham. And <laughs> it'll make sense when you read it. Okay. But yeah, it was the, I believe it was the first book I read uh, when I started all the G, uh, all the uh, Woodhouse books. Mm -hmm. I had read a couple of G's books a long time ago, but this was mm -hmm. the first one I, when I decided I was going to read all the Woodhouse books, this is the first one I read. So. Okay. All right. Cool. And if people do want to read it mm -hmm. to be prepared for the podcast or just because they want to read it, the only places I know it is available is included in the most of P.G. Woodhouse, or you can also find it uh, as an audio book. Mm -hmm. But I haven't seen it anywhere else in uh, physical form. I don't I don't even think it's on Kindle as its own book. Yeah, I don't know. I just went ahead and bought the most of Woodhouse. Yeah. Which uh it does have plenty of other stories in there. It doesn't help us much because we're going by books. So <laughs> Robin's just gonna be getting a bunch of stories that she's gonna have to buy other books for anyways, because <laughs> great. <laughs> so <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Right. What What do you think? Do Do you think we went off on tangents more than in previous ones, or? Um, more no. I think we definitely went off on tangents. Oh yeah, well, but, but certainly not more than we did with like hot water. Hot water was just tangent city. <laughs> so yeah. I think yeah. we did okay. Yeah. As you know. Uh, Tangent City is where Twing Hall is located. <laughs> yes. Twing. <laughs> All right. So thank you for spending I what I assume is this five hours of this podcast with us. <laughs> it's been like three hours for us, and they're going to be listening. I was like, oh, it's only 30 minutes long. <laughs> so thank you for listening. I'm so used to signing off on my YouTube. I don't know what to say now. <laughs> don't be a bingo. Don't be a bingo. That's the takeaway from today. That don't is, be a bingo. That is should be your life's credo. Don't be a bingo. Don't be a bingo. <laughs>
All right. And with that, <laughs> I'll be dashed. <laughs> Justice for Birdie. <laughs>